Welcome back to the Brown Zone Zone Coverage Podcast. It's been a long time since I've done one of these, but I'm back and joined by an old friend and new partner in this venture, Dave Chodowski from WKYC. We used to talk Browns on TV on Sunday nights before Dave got a new gig on the morning news, and I'm excited to talk Browns with him again. So let me welcome Dave and turn this over to him. Scott, thank you very much. What is up, my man? So good to talk to you again. It really is, Dave. It's been a long time. We've chatted since we used to do that, but it's a long time since we uh, talked some Browns, and I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, me too. And that's what I mean when I say long time. I mean, on the airs, man. It was One of my favorite things in the sports department was talking Browns football with you. And, I mean, you're the man coming on each week like you did and um, helping me out. So it's a pleasure to help you out with this. And, man, we had some great debates and conversations talking Browns over the years. And I've been doing the morning uh, show now, anchoring the news for uh, I'm in my third year now doing it, believe it or not. And uh, one of the things I missed the most is talking Browns with you. And I really mean that. I've mentioned that to people because we just we had more time to really dive into the Browns. And in TV time, that'd be like five or six minutes, which I mean, in TV time, that's a lot, you know, for so we really got into some good stuff. So I'm excited now to get back and, and talking sports because I still do sports on the morning show. But, uh, you know, it's not as in-depth as this can be to talk Browns. So I'm really excited about it. And I think, um, you know, the listeners are really going to enjoy this because I think you're one of the most knowledgeable Browns fan or Browns broadcasters, uh, reporters in the area. And uh, people are going to really uh, enjoy doing this because you've done this before and, and they know that. Yeah, I appreciate that. And I'll tell you what, Dave, when I was thinking about it, I'm not sure we had, we did it for a long time. We didn't have a whole lot of good things to talk about when we were talk <laughs> Browns, right? I mean, we did it for years and, you know, my memory's not the greatest, but I don't think we talked about, I mean, we talked about some wins, but I'm not sure we had a winning season that, you know, when the, I mean, the Browns didn't have one from 2007 until last year, right? So I don't think we were doing it that long. So it's kind of nice to talk when there's some optimism, you know, we're in a time right now where people are excited. We're going to talk about Jadavian Clowney. Um, so it'll be fun, but it'll also be kind of a new twist for us. That's a great point. Maybe the best one you're going to make all day. <laughs> Every Every it was Groundhog's Day, man. Every Sunday, talking the same thing. Now there was the year with Hoyer and Manziel. Right. Um, the thing about it, though, is we always had drama to talk about. Um, that's what the Browns brought. And I think how many times did we say on the air that once this organization could get rid of the drama and figure things out in Berea and get things turned around? And we always wondered what would be the thing that would turn the organization around. And we, we said many times it would be a quarterback and a head coach. Yeah. And now they have that. And that's, that's exciting. No, that's a great point. And you can see the lack of drama, right? In the last year when they win 12 games and go to the playoffs, um, that was a big part of that. And it was a huge change from the year before. White with, with Freddie Kitchens and all the stuff that went bad in 2019. <laughs> I mean, it was night and day two years ago. And you're right about the coach and the quarterback. And we did say that over and over and over. And, you know, it's only been one year for Kevin Stefanski, and it's only been maybe a year and a half of really strong play from Baker Mayfield. But it certainly feels like those two guys are the right guys. And it feels like they're heading in the right direction. And they're even getting better from the best team we've seen from the Browns in, you know, a quarter of a century. 
It's amazing when you look at Stefanski and, and you just mentioned it. All you have to do is look at the year before and, and Kitchens and then see what Stefanski did. And the guy, you know, and, and I don't get to see him every day and uh, like, you know, you get to do. And obviously, think you know, and before I let you go, I do want to ask you about this, how different it is covering the Browns in, in a pandemic. But I don't want to get into that just yet. But, um, you know, the guy is certainly amazing. I think Scott with, with the thing now is, so you got the quarterback and we're pretty confident on that. Right. I think we're a hundred percent confident. We have the head coach. Um, but I think in order to get to a super bowl, you have to have those other pieces then around you. And the Browns yesterday made a move that is a huge piece to hopefully get them there. Cause I think we can agree, right. That watching them last year, they were a few pieces away. What are your thoughts on Jadavian Clowney? And is this a piece that can take them to the next level? Yeah, it's a good signing. I think it's a, it's a low risk, you know, I mean, it's $8 million plus maybe a couple million more in incentives. It doesn't break the bank. Um, From a salary cap perspective, they added these voidable years. So it's not even a huge hit against the cap this season when the cap is reduced. So Fiscally, it makes sense. Um, I don't think it's a move that takes the Browns from a second-tier team to a first-tier team. I think they're already in the discussion of the best handful of teams in the AFC. I think what Jadavian Clowney does is he adds that critical depth that you referred to, right? When you look at, you know, the best teams and when you look at when things go wrong, even with the Browns last year when they would lose games, it's because they had some depth issues. And the secondary jumps out at me because they had the big issues to Delpit and Greedy Williams. And Andrew Barry, the GM, tried to rectify this year at the start of free agency. But then you turn to D-line. And in my opinion, it's all about D-line, especially pass rush, and your secondary. at cornerback, but safety is important in the bronze scheme. And you need a bunch of players and a bunch of quality players at those positions. And Dave and Clowney is more than just a depth addition. Right. He's a former number one pick. He's incredibly strong. He's a talented player. And I think when you take a step back, you have to look at his signing in combination with the earlier signing of Tack McKinley, another defensive end. You team those guys together. They're going to be opposite Miles Garrett. Not that they can never be on the field together, all three of them. Garrett or Clowney can slide inside on third downs. But you look at those two guys together, McKinley. And Clowney and say, okay, you compare them to all the top edge rushers that signed right at the start of free agency. Guys like Carl Lawson and Trey Hendrickson and um, Yannick Ngakwe. And the Browns got these two guys together for less money. And some people would argue, well, it's short term. I think that's what Andrew Barry wanted. He did not want to be locked into a three or four year deal with a guy making 14 or $15 million a year. He wanted to address the position, but leave, but only do it on a short-term basis because he doesn't want to pay Miles Garrett twenty-five million a year and pay the number two defensive end fourteen or fifteen million a year. It just doesn't make sense. So he gets these two guys that should be able to hold on to position and do it well in two thousand twenty-one, and then he can draft a guy. And I'm not saying at twenty-six. I'm not ruling out twenty-six. We might get into that later but he can draft a guy for the future to be that number two. And all of a sudden you're not paying that position 
that second position a ton of money. So I think you have to look at it, it that way, number one. And then when you just break down Clowney, he's a physically, he's special. He's really strong against the run. Now, he's not an elite pass rusher. And if you look at his sack numbers, that show that. Um, nine and a half is his career high. He didn't have any last year in eight games. He only had three the year before. But he pressures the quarterback, right? If you look at the PFF numbers that everybody loves to look at, there's pressures there. There's quarterback hits. Um, but he's just, he's not an elite pass rusher like Miles Garrett. He doesn't have the dip and the bend in the array of pass moves. But he should benefit from being on the other, other side of Miles Garrett. And we talked about that with Clowney yesterday. And I asked him just how frustrating it is to always be double teamed because he's one of the most double teamed guys in the league the last three years. He You've said, got a great answer on that, by the way. Yeah. And he said, yeah, it gets frustrating, right? And having Miles there, I expect Miles to get all the double teams and he <laughs> wants to feast on the one-on-one. So, uh, you know, I, I think there's – a chance that Clowney has a really good year. Now you have to mention the injury history. He's been injured a ton and that's key. He says he feels healthy. He obviously passed the physical. Um, but, you know, when you talk about the number two end, now I don't know if I want Jadavion Clowney to be my number one end, but as a number two end with the combination of Tech McKinley, I don't know how you don't like to sign. You know, a lot of, lot of ways I want to go now after everything you just said there. One of the things you said is he's a special player. Can you, though, inform Browns fans, is that really true? Is he still special? And the reason I ask you that is because the last two years, I wouldn't say it was special, but early in his career, he was. When you talk to Jadavian Clowney early in his career, you are like, wow, that's one of the the best guys, right? The last two years, that hasn't necessarily been the case, and you mentioned the injuries. So how excited from that standpoint – should Browns fans be, is he really special or is he not so special? Yeah, that's a great point. Um, I think physically he's still special. And I say that because he's 6'5", 255. He's got burst. He's got incredible strength at the line of scrimmage. He plays hard. You know, I went back and I watched the week one from a year ago, and he didn't have huge numbers. Obviously, he didn't have a sack in the game because he didn't have a sack in the year. But you notice him, right? You see this guy with a lot of energy flying all over the field. Um, So I think when he's healthy, and again, that's a huge if, um, because he had the torn meniscus a year ago. He had core muscle surgery after 2019. He had the microfracture surgery as a rookie. And then other kind of more minor ailments that all caused him to miss time. He's only played 16 games in one season in his career. But if he's healthy, I, he's still physically special and still one of the rare talents in the NFL. Um, but he has not played as a special player. I think you're 100% right about that. And you just look at the numbers. And sack numbers don't mean at all everything, but they're important at that position, right? I mean, you need sacks. And I don't want to just say, yes, he gets quarterback hits and yes, he gets pressures. Those are important too, but you do need to finish and you need to get the sacks. So I think it'd be unfair to say he's been a special pass rusher. Maybe throughout his whole career, it's unfair to label label him that he might be a better run defender than pass rusher. And that's okay. It's probably okay, especially because you have a guy like Miles Garrett, who is an elite pass rusher in this league. I think he's a balance. He's a compliment. So when I call him special, I think it's more from a physical 
traits perspective, um, then maybe then obviously then his production and even maybe his potential, although he says he can still be a defensive player of the year type guy. I'm not ready to put him there. I think Miles is a couple of steps ahead of the player Jadavian Clowney is. But he's that, only 28, he, Scott, right? I, I, yeah, he's only 28. So, <laughs> I mean, right. So that gives you hope, but he just doesn't have, from a pass rush perspective, he doesn't have the same repertoire that Miles Garrett does. He doesn't have the same bend that Miles Garrett does. And, and you know, you're a, you know who Greg Cosell is, right? He's an NFL films guy. One he, of the best. One yeah, of the best. He amazing. might be my favorite guy. And I was unbelievable. Yeah. I was listening to on a podcast the other day. I think it's called Inside the Birds. It's an Eagles podcast. And Clowney came up and he said he's not a good pass rusher. Like he didn't mince words at all. And his point was he doesn't have the flexibility in his lower half, the thighs and the hips, the things that allow Miles Garrett to turn the corner and still get to the quarterback. Clowney doesn't have that. So I think that's where there's a gap between Garrett and Clowney. But that's okay because you only need one number one pass rusher. Right. If your number two is solid and you can team him with Tack McKinley, who might be a better natural pass rusher than Clowney, then I think that's how you kind of put your defensive line together. And I think that's what Andrew Barry's looking for. So I'm not looking from a for a Pro Bowl year out of Clowney. I just need him to be solid and kind of play like Olivier Vernon did a year ago. I mean, he was underrated, finishes with nine sacks and is good against the run. And you need Clowney to be a little better against the run and come somewhere close to that sack slash pressure production that Vernon had. Excellent points. Scott Petrak, you're on the clock. The question is, what does TAC stand for? <laughs> it's short for Tacarist. Tacarist. <laughs> A-R-I-S-T at the end. <laughs> yeah, T-A-K-K-A-R-I-S-T. And I did not know that until this morning. And if we're going to do anything on this podcast, we're going to make people smarter. So if anyone goes to bed tonight and they don't know, they'll now know what TAC stands for. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I should ask him, I didn't, we only talked to him once and we just called him TAC. Um, <laughs> I should ask him if he's okay with that. Right. That's, that's how he's been referred to and everything I've read, but I should double check. Make sure he's good with that. Double check on that. Uh, I've actually done that with uh, Fran Mil Reyes. I asked the Indians, I asked him, I'll ask these players um, uh, who's the, um, the other, who is uh i'll think of it here in a second i i have a good one for you we'll get back to that but um did you see uh, when tack first signed there was a um an interview out there that he did back when he was with atlanta yes. and yeah. did you see that i did and it scared me <laughs> where he answered, right. he answered every question with good and then good he away yeah. yeah yeah but he but the reason i bring that up and we'll get back to clowny in a second here but the reason I bring that up is because wasn't Tack really outstanding when you guys talked to him when he came here, when you guys first introduced to him? He was fabulous. And it went against, not only did it go against the interview that you're talking about in Atlanta, I talked to somebody in Atlanta who said he was terrible to deal with and wasn't even impressed with him as a player. And, you know, that happens. And obviously we know the numbers and we know how he kind of tweeted his way out of Atlanta a year ago. And, yeah. And he said, right, he lost some hunger and he needed to find himself. So, you know, you have to give guys second chances. And Andrew Barry's willing to do that. And Andrew Barry saw something in Tack McKinley in the draft in 2017 that he hasn't let go of. And he tried to 
trade for him a year ago. He tried to claim him off waivers multiple times. So he sees a lot of potential in tech, but that interview, it was a, it was refreshing giving what I had seen and heard out of Atlanta. Now, you know, guys can be great one time, right? And that doesn't mean he's going to be a media darling, but he was fantastic. And I thought he opened up and really kind of shared the disappointments of the first few years of his career. How important can that be the way a player acts and feels like he's wanted? Because so we have Tack here who obviously was upset in Atlanta, seems to be thrilled to be in Cleveland. We'll get back to Clowney, but yesterday Clowney mentioned how he feels loved by the Browns because they went after him last year and then went after him again this year. So he seems really excited. And, and I go to that because I remember an interview, I used to interview Chris Perez, Indians closer uh, mm-hmm. all the time on uh, the half hour sports show on Sunday night. And he said something that will stick with me always. You know, when you boo players or you get down on guys because they have a bad day, sometimes we forget they're human beings. And you don't know if maybe they got in a fight with their wife or their girlfriend. Yeah. Hey, maybe they got, you know, their, their dry cleaning back and, you know, their shirt was messed up or something. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know what it is. But the bottom line is sometimes we forget they're humans. How much does that play in, into effect? Yeah, I, I think it does matter. And you're right. Clowney and McKinley both referenced that with Andrew Barry and how it meant something to them that not only he hadn't given up on him, but that he always liked him and always saw their talent. And when either it didn't work out with McKinley, right, it wasn't McKinley's choice not to come here a year ago, but Barry still wanted him. And then Clowney flat out turned down Andrew Barry last year. And he turned down more money to come to Cleveland and sign the one-year deal with Tennessee. So when Andrew Barry still wanted him this offseason, that meant a lot to Clowney. So that's part of it. And then your bigger point is right on that. And I find myself doing the same thing, Chud, that, you know, these guys make so much money and you see them on TV and you see them play football and, or baseball, whatever. And you forget that they're dealing with the same stuff everybody else is dealing with and that there's the same insecurities and the same things that make them smile or give them pause or resonate with them. Right. And it's not always all about the money. Now, Jadavian Clowney probably, I'm sure he does not have a better offer than the Browns gave him. So that plays a huge part in him coming here, but I don't think He's just making it up when he says that he appreciates Andrew Barry's relentlessness. I think that does mean something, and it means something to be wanted by the organization and even the fans. You mentioned the fans. You know, these guys, it's not just lip service when they talk about how great the Browns fan base is and how that means something to them. And and I think that's legitimate, and I think it's something that sometimes – I'll overlook or, you know, because it's not at the front of your mind. But I I do think all this stuff resonates. And then on the flip side is when you see what happened to Yu Chang the other night with the Indians and he gets the, you know, hate tweets. um, That affects the guys too, right? It's not, these guys aren't robots. They're real people that appreciate being loved and are hurt when people throw hate their way. Yeah, and people don't want to hear that because they're making millions. So, you know, that's what right, makes but that's it difficult. A, yeah, but that's always the excuse, right? These guys make millions. Right. That doesn't mean they don't have feelings. It doesn't mean you should treat them like 
robots, garbage. pieces of garbage, <laughs> right? It doesn't. It just means that they get paid to put up with a bunch of garbage. Yeah. And let's be honest. I mean, everyone wants to win. Things are so much better when you're winning. And Clowney talked about that. You know, I think you mentioned it, but he, you know, what was his exact quote about, you know, they win about coming to Cleveland, yeah. they win. Yeah. And he yeah. talked about the running backs and all the positive things. I just really think that interview yesterday was outstanding. He really seems like a solid locker room guy. Yeah. I, I don't, I, again, not that he's the same guy as Tech McKinley. Um, I don't think he's a huge media guy, but that doesn't mean he can't be good in the locker room. Um, there's plenty of guys like that. I remember, um, and this is getting a little off topics, so I'll try to keep it quick, but Demario Davis, who's a linebacker, played here for, I think, just a year, um, wasn't very good with us, like wouldn't want to talk. Goes mm-hmm. to New Orleans, and he turns out to be like the best guy ever. Like he does all kinds of work in the community. He's become this spokesperson for all these great causes, and maybe he just needed to build up a trust factor, and we didn't know him. We didn't get to know him long enough. But he was always great inside the locker room. And that doesn't mean that doesn't always translate to the media. And again, that's fine. But Clowney's been around. He's been in this league a long time. He's going to fit in. And I think that was a, something he said too is I'm fine with Miles getting into the attention. I'm just here to help this team get over the hump. I don't think he feels the need or even the desire to be kind of the focus. And maybe that's a little different than J.J. Watt. Maybe J.J. Watt had come here. There would have been a little com- competition with Miles for who's kind of the superstar of superstars. I don't think that you'll get that with Clowney. Good point. Well, I'm just seeing here, Clowney's from Rock Hill, South Carolina. I did not know that. Uh, it's a great spot. Drive through it all the time on the way to Florida. <laughs> so. <laughs> Uh, we're just, again, trying to make you smarter here on the podcast. Uh, anyway, hey, so Scott, you bring up, and I'm glad you brought up Tack when you did, and the vision Andrew Barry has. So you already, you know, you already have Miles Garrett. You bypass on the big money for the quote-unquote big names. Not that We know Clowney's a big name, but you know what I mean. The yeah, guys yeah. That, that generated a ton of money. So in your opinion, what would have you done? Scott Petrack is in Andrew Barry's shoes. Yeah. Would you have done what he did and gotten Tack and then Clowney? Or would Scott Petrack have gotten one of the big name guys, I should say, that generated the big money that all Browns fans were upset about when they didn't get one? Yeah, that's interesting, Chad. I, I think I would still have gone after Carl Lawson and paid him, I think he signed $14 million a year with the Jets. Um, I think I like that option better because it gives you the long-term stability at what I think is a critical position. Um, maybe the most important, you know, you got your ends and you got your corners. And, and I like the fact that, okay, we know we're going to have Miles Garrett. We know we're going to have Carl Lawson for the next four or five years. But I understand what Andrew Barry is doing and, I think he just doesn't want to tie up $40 million a year at defensive end. And from that aspect, from that respect, I understand that. And it makes sense. And if you're going to go in that direction and not pay somebody long-term big money, then this is probably as good as you could have done is the Clowney McKinley combination. Now, both guys have things to prove, right? I'll bring up Clowney's injuries again. I'll bring up McKinley was hurt last year and didn't have good numbers. 
And, you know, if you look at their last sacks, you know, they both of them have had bad sack numbers the last couple of years. So I think there's a lot of upside. I think there's also some question marks surrounding these guys. But if you're not going to go with Clawson for a, for a money reason, a salary cap reason, then this is probably as good as Andrew Barry could have done. And I think there's tremendous upside to these two guys. Okay, before we move on, any other comments on Clowney before we put that to bed? No, I think, I think we've talked about him enough. Um, it, it is going to be interesting to see if he can have a breakout year with Miles Garrett on the other side, right? That's the, that's kind of the one thing he hasn't, I mean, he had JJ Watt for a while and that's when he was getting the nine, nine and a half sacks a year. So with Garrett on the other side, can he recreate that? And if he can, this defense could be special. All right, moving on. Hey, real quick, that name I wanted to bring up. Everyone always calls him David Njoku, but I actually asked him when he first came here, and he says it's Njoku. <laughs> okay, well, that's good to know. And it's like Frankie, yeah. right? I mean, Lindor. Yeah. And I think I, I think people actually had asked him, but now he goes to New York, and he's upset that he was called Frankie, right? So uh, you do have to be careful with that. I mean, it's just that's just a human thing. Yeah, Njoku. But anyway, moving on. Okay. Free agency, what stands out to you? Uh, you know, obviously they did a great job in the secondary, Johnson, Hill. Uh, thoughts on free agency overall with the Browns? Well, it was all about the defense, right? And we knew it was going to be because if you look at their offense, they're pretty much set. Not that they can't add a player here or there, and we'll talk about draft possibilities at some point, but it was always going to be all about the defense, and Andrew Bayer did not disappoint. And – John Johnson, the third, the safety from the Rams was the one guy that Barry targeted and said, I'm going to pay big dollars to, right? Now, Clowney winds up being the second when you talk money, but John Johnson was the first guy he went after, paid him the most, and it really signaled to me the importance of the safety position to the organization and specifically coordinator Joe Woods. And he was not able to run the three safety sets that he wants to a year ago because Grant Delpit suffered that season-ending torn Achilles. And he doesn't feel like he can run the defense he wants without three playmaking safeties. So you have, so you needed John Johnson the third. Now, he gives you insurance as well if Grant Delpit doesn't come back from that Achilles or doesn't come back right away or whatever the issues there could be. But the plan is... Delpit, John Johnson III, and Ronnie Harrison on the field at the same time a lot. And you can't do that without the kind of signature guy, the proven signature guy, because we don't know what Delpit's going to be. He's never played in the league. And John Johnson III gives you that. So I was a little surprised that they would give those kind of resources to or devote those kind of resources to safety when you have Delpit and Harrison and say, okay, those are two solid starters. But I think that just shows how important that position is. Um, and then they upgraded Nickelback. And we know nickel is so much more important, right? Every year it becomes more important in the league because there's more three receiver sets and four receiver sets. And the teams throw the ball more and more. And Troy Hill is an upgrade over Kevin Johnson. And he's played well. And he's still kind of finding his footing at nickel. And he was good at it to begin with. And he's still only going to get better. So, you know, I like that signing. You can never have enough corners, and they're going to need more corners, and we'll talk about that when we talk draft. And then Malik Jackson, I think he's a little under the radar. 
because he was after some of these other guys and it's a one-year deal. I think he gives you a dimension at defensive tackle that the Browns don't have. And it's a pass rushing dimension. And Sheldon Richardson is fine as a pass rusher and he's good from the interior and he has some burst. But Malik Jackson is 6'5", 290. He's long. He gets his hands up. He's just a different body type. You can play him at end early in downs if you want, or yeah, early in downs if you want to, you know, stop the run, right? If Clowney's winded or hurt or whatever, you can play him outside if you don't trust McKinley and he can stuff the run and then slide inside to rush from the interior on third down. Um, I think he gives you flexibility, which a lot of these guys do. That's something Andrew Barry raved about Jadavian Clowney. Um, but I think Malik Jackson has an upside here. He's been to the Super Bowl. He's was hurt, but he was healthier last year and feels like he's even more confident in the foot. He has li- he had Liz Frank surgery the year before, so he feels like he's only going to get better. So I-, I think they were just solid moves. And I'm not even mentioning my Northwestern linebacker Anthony Walker, who people <laughs> raved about. They were devastated in Indianapolis when he left. His teammates, the front office raved about him. The coaches have raved about him. He's just one of those smart, tough, accountable guys the Browns talk about. And he's going to come in here and he's going to be, you know, maybe the smartest guy on that defense. And I think is an upgrade to BJ Goodson and gives you more speed at that linebacker position, which the Browns crave. Two points I want to bring up from there. Uh, Number one, what is going on with BJ Goodson? Yeah, he's, he's, Walker's replacing him. I mean, Goodson, it was one year deal. Walker replaces him. Now, Goodson had, a pretty good year. And he exceeded my expectations. He wasn't an every down player before when he was with the Browns, but obviously the Browns looked at him. They'd seen him for a year and they looked at Walker and thought Walker was enough of an upgrade to go outside and bring him in. So I think that's a spot where you say, okay, I trust the front office to make this move because I think if you just look at PFF grades, you'd say Goodson is a better player, had a better year. And I think it goes deeper than that. And I think they feel like there's an, more of an upside to Walker than there was to Goodson. Now, Walker's the one who goes in on his off day, right? Puts the uh, a game, like watches film before the coaches even give the, uh, the uh, update to the players, right? Doesn't he help yeah. the guys out like that? Yeah, it was like he would study all the film on Monday and show up with the scouting report for the rest of the team. And, you know, you probably saw it, Chad. Darius Leonard, the Colts Pro Bowl Rookie of the Year linebacker, was choked up talking yeah. about what Walker meant to him and that team. And if you can get a guy like that, and it's only a one-year deal, but you never know, right? If he becomes a cornerstone, maybe he turns into something bigger. Um, those guys have big impacts, and they can have – it doesn't always have to be tackle numbers or sack numbers. A guy like that can have a big impact on the defense – and he was a signal caller. So was John Johnson the third. So you have two guys that are so smart and so aware that either one of them can set the defense and call it from the field. And, and I just think that's one of those things that can get overlooked sometimes. All right, Scott, we don't want to uh, talk too long on this next one because we want to get a couple other things in here. Uh, just quickly, though, just touch on a guy they kept and a guy they're not, uh, Hollywood Higgins and Ogan Joby leaving. Yeah, I'll start with Logan Joby. You know, he didn't have a great year last year, and I know the some of the analytics numbers are bad on him. Um, I, I think he is a legitimate starter in this league. 
I think he's a high, high character person. I loved talking to him. Um, but the Browns are never going to pay him big money. And I think that his desire is to get paid big money. Um, I don't, I never saw what he's going to get paid in the, with the Bengals, but I'm, I sure it's not what he wanted given the reduced salary cap and all those kinds of things. But I, I think he's a guy that's a legitimate starter in this league. But when you had Andrew Billings coming back off the opt out, you signed Malik Jackson, the Browns could afford to lose Ogan Joby and kind of were set up to do that. I also think he's kind of limited as a pass rusher and the Browns wanted to improve that area area. And that's what a guy like Malik Jackson does. Um, and, and then Higgins, you know, he's, he's a funny guy for me because I always thought he was just a guy and, <laughs> you know, he, he just never impressed me, but the longer he hangs around, the more impressed I am. And now I don't think he's a difference maker, but I think he's a good guy to have and to bring him back for, I think it was $2.3 million. Um, that's a steal. And you know, he's got chemistry with Baker Mayfield. You know, he's a productive after OBJ got hurt last year. You know the fans love him. You know he wants to be here, so it just makes sense. Now, I would not have paid him five or six million. No, his price tag got there, but for two point three, um, it makes all the sense in the world. And he continues to kind of prove me wrong because I was a guy that if they had cut a year ago, I wouldn't have blinked an eye, but a bunch of people would have. And and he had a really strong year. I'd rather know that we have him and Baker has him than no life without him because there's just something there, man. There is that connection that, uh, you know, he has with Hollywood and, and we're definitely not going to get into this today, but plenty of time to talk about Odell Beckham and him yeah. being back with, with Baker and the, the mental thing there about trying to force the ball to Odell. And we don't have, we won't get into that, but there's just something special about what Baker and uh, Hollywood have. There is. There is. And I, you, I don't think you can dismiss it. Like I may have tried to do, you know, after 2018, um, there's something there and he just does make plays. Now he's not, he doesn't, he's not a standout in anything, right? He's not the best route runner. Um, he's not the fastest. He's not the tallest. He's not the quickest. He's got good hands. Um, but he just seems to make plays and clutch plays. I mean, they don't win that Bengals game where Donovan Peoples-Jones catches that game winner if Higgins doesn't make big catches on that drive. So um, I don't think he deserves all the praise that some fans give him, but he's certainly <laughs> worth having on your roster. Is he more than just a jag, just a guy? I'll give him that. I, I will I will <laughs> take him above just a guy. Um, now, maybe he's just a guy if he goes somewhere else, but with the Browns and with Baker, I think he's proven to be more than just a guy. We're just a couple of guys talking Browns here. And how much time do we have left, man? I feel like we could talk for two hours and it would feel like 10 minutes. I know we really could. We could, we could probably do one more topic and then sign off. One more topic. All right. Um, so what they've done with Clowney, what they've done in free agency. And next week we'll get into more of the draft. Okay. I don't want to like yeah. pin you down to tell me who they're going to draft right now. If you want to just throw a name out there and we'll, you know, keep track of that for the next three weeks. How does what they've done affect what they do in the first round? I think that's a perfect question to end this, Judd. Um, I think everything they did in free agency sets them up to do whatever they want in the draft. And 
I think sometimes, you know, we talk about best players available and it seems trite because everybody says it and it's not practical, right? It's not always best player available. Last year at number 10, they needed a left tackle. They didn't have a left tackle on the roster. So they were going to take a left tackle. Now they knew they were going to take a left tackle and there were four candidates to choose from. So they knew they were going to get a good one and it made sense. And we've seen it time and again where teams and when you do a mock draft, it's all about, you know, placing a guy with a team with a need because that's just practical. But I think the way Andrew Barry attacked free agency gives him a million options at number 26 and number 59. And if he wants to move up from 26, if he wants to move down from 26, because there are no glaring needs right now, right? Without Clowney, I think there was a glaring need at defensive end, even with McKinley. But with Clowney and McKinley, there's not a glaring need there. You can say, to me, the biggest glaring need is, or the biggest need, it's not glaring, the biggest need is cornerback, just because you don't know for certain that Greedy Williams is going to be healthy, right? He had the nerve injury in his shoulder. That's a tricky, scary injury. Uh, He didn't play at all last year. So you need a plan B if Greedy isn't healthy or isn't the player you expected him to be. And I don't think you can go into next season with no backup plan if Greedy's not the answer. So that, so I think you need a corner and I think there's no doubt about it, but you don't need to take one at 26. You could wait to 59 to get that corner. Um, so I, I think it opens everything up. I think corner would be, would make the most sense at 26, but if the perfect pass rusher fell, Quiddy Pay or Jalen Phillips, whoever that guy is in the Browns' eyes. If he was a 26, they could take him. If the linebacker, I don't even think the Browns value linebacker that much. Yeah, and I want to step up and interrupt you there because yeah. that's where I was going to go with yeah. that. A lot of people would say, wait, Scott, they, they do have a glaring need. It's linebacker. Yeah, I, I disagree with that, Judd. I think with Walker and with Smith, Malcolm Smith, they mm-hmm. resigned. And you drafted Jacob Phillips in the third round a year ago, and you still have Taki Taki and Mac Wilson. There's a bunch of bodies there. And you're only going to play two linebackers probably 60% of the time, right? So that's a lot of bodies. Having said that, we don't know about Jacob Phillips. We don't know if he's the long-term answer. If he's not, then you need a kind of a cornerstone guy at linebacker. And if it's not Jacob Phillips, they don't have that guy because Walker's a one-year contract and, you know, Taki Taki's coming up and Mac Wilson's kind of coming up and hasn't shown enough. So if you felt that cornerstone piece was there at 26, whether it's Kentucky's Jamin Davis or Tulsa's Zayvon Collins, it wouldn't stun me if the Browns went that direction, but it would surprise me. I don't put a whole lot. I don't put a high percentage on that. Um, But if the guy they loved was at 26 at linebacker, they could take him. I think you could say the same argument at receiver. They don't need a receiver. They need one for the future. But if the right guy fell at 26, you could take him. So wow. I, just think, I just think free agency and addressing all those needs opened, just opened everything up for Andrew Barry, where he can, he can really do whatever he wants in the draft, whether it's trade up, trade down, take this position, this position, this position, this position. Um, I think he doesn't have to, I think he doesn't feel the pressure of having that glaring need 
that so many teams do when they enter the draft and that even he did a year ago, although I think he set himself up for that a year ago, there was obviously pressure and a plan to take left tackle. And I, I think cornerback has the edge this year, 26, but it's not nearly the same urgency that there was a year ago at left tackle or there is so many times it's so many positions. I almost froze, fell out of my chair when you said the Browns don't have a glaring need. Did you ever? <laughs> think we, did you ever think we'd talk about the Browns not having a glaring need and not picking first, second, third in the draft? This is incredible. Yeah, it, it, well, it just shows you. Yeah, it shows you how far they've come. Obviously, you always thought, well, they'll get to that point, and you, you know, two thousand seven and two thousand fourteen, you thought, okay, they've turned a corner. Even two thousand. 18, right? They had the strong finish. Baker played well. Um, but then the bottom always fell out. And mm -hmm. it feels like the bottom's not going to fall out. It feels like there's a lot of stability. And I think the roster, and it, start, it started with John Dorsey, right? Really adding a bunch of pieces to it. And Andrew Barry has done a solid job finishing it off. And not that it's done, but you know what I'm saying. Really taking it to the next step in the next level where – when you look across the league, their roster is comparable, I think, with anybody in the league. Now, if you say, what's the difference to them and the Chiefs? Well, the Chiefs have Patrick Mahomes, right? So, <laughs> I mean, that, that's a difference maker, and we can say the same thing about Aaron Rodgers and whoever else. But when you look at 53-man rosters, I'm, I'm not sure there's any or many that are head and shoulders above the Browns. I, I, I just think they – I think they compare favorably with a lot in this league. Yeah, I mean, you used to watch Sunday night football and you would watch the uh, great teams play every Sunday night in that primetime game, right? And I would always sit there and think, boy, the Browns, there's, they couldn't even compete against these right. teams and be in this game. Well, now you can put them in that category that they are a team that can play in those primetime games. So yeah, that's how no, far they've come. Yeah, there's no doubt, right? It used to be night and day. We'd watch the 1 o'clock and watch the 8, eight o'clock. Oh, my gosh, it's a different world. And yeah. Now not. And now the Browns are going to be the team on those Sunday night and Monday night games because they have the names and they have the winning record from a year ago. All right. Well, speaking of that different world, so we're going to do this every week, Scott. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. And, you know, unless something pops up. But there's always yeah. Brown stuff to talk about, Chud, especially over the next month with the draft coming up. Um, we'll certainly be busy. Okay, so next week I want to ask you about covering the Browns during a pandemic. I kind of talked about that earlier, but I really want to dive in and, and you know, see what it's been like for you and the rest of the, um, the great beat writers and broadcasters we have in this town, what it's been like to cover the Browns. I, I think the fans would really enjoy to kind of see what that's been like. Uh, we'll hit on that, and then uh, obviously we'll go draft heavy, right? Yeah, yeah, that sounds great. Okay. Uh, before I let you go, though, um, big news this week. I understand that uh, you have a, a new cereal out, Pet Tracks Pebbles. <laughs> is, that, is that right? Yeah, it's all chocolate. Um, <laughs> you pour chocolate milk into it. That's my kind of cereal. I know Nick Shove, huh? That's a little. It's a little out there for Nick. I mean, it's good for him raising money for charity. But uh, you know, Nick Shove is a quiet guy, but he must feel the cause is worth it to kind of put himself out there with the. Uh, Chubbs Crunch, I think it is. Chubbs Crunch, absolutely. You're right. Yeah, you would you would almost think that would be like uh, Baker Mayfield or Odell Beckham Jr., right? But uh, yeah. you know, but but Chubb, I mean, hey, what a guy. 
<laughs> what a player too, right? I mean, just guys can't rave about enough. And this is one of the things we'll talk about down the road, but the contract situation, right? Long-term, do you pay a running back? How does he fit with Baker and Denzel and Wyatt Teller? It's just always so much to talk about with these guys, Chud. Awesome. Scott, so awesome to talk Browns with you again. Can't wait to do it on a weekly basis. And uh, that's it for me here. I'll let you sign the sign off here and um, we'll talk soon, man. Yeah, this is great, buddy. Um, good to have you. And I'm looking forward to doing this and talking Browns with you. And that'll be it for uh, the Brown Zone Zone Coverage Podcast. So tune in next week. Thanks, guys.